Welcome to the Theological Touchpoints Podcast. I'm Julian. The focus for this episode is Expositions, Scripture Examined, Explained, and Applied. On February 14 of 1990, the Voyager 1 probe took a picture of the Earth. This picture was taken from 3.7 billion miles away, and in the image, the Earth appears as a pale blue dot caught in a stream of light. Uh, On the image, the Earth is represented by 12% of a pixel, nearly imperceptible in the image. The Voyager 1 probe had completed its mission, and its cameras were soon to be powered down to preserve energy for the rest of its voyage. Uh, Before the cameras were powered down, Carl Sagan requested that this image be taken. Carl Sagan was an astronomer who was involved in the Voyager 1 program, and he had the privilege of introducing the photo after it was taken and processed, and he had this to say of the photo. Look at that dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you love, everyone you know, everyone you've ever heard of, every human being who ever was, lived out their lives. The aggregate of our joy and suffering, thousands of confident religions, ideologies, and economic doctrines, every hunter and forager, every hero and coward, every creator and destroyer of civilization, every king and peasant, every young couple in love, every mother and father, hopeful child, inventor and explorer, every teacher of morals, every corrupt politician, every superstar, every supreme leader, every saint and sinner in the history of our species lived there, on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam. The earth is a very small stage in a vast cosmic arena. Think of the rivers of blood spilled by all those generals and emperors so that, in glory and triumph, they could become the momentary masters of a fraction of a dot. Think of the endless cruelties visited by the inhabitants of one corner of this pixel on the scarcely distinguishable inhabitants of some other corner. How frequent their misunderstandings, how eager they are to kill one another, how fervent their hatreds. Our posturings, our imagined self-importance, the delusion that we have some privileged position in the universe— are challenged by this point of pale light. Our planet is a lonely speck in the great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. It has been said that astronomy is a humbling and character-building experience. There is perhaps no better demonstration of the folly of human conceits than this distant image of our tiny world. Carl Sagan was certainly not a believer, and his perspective is reflected in that quote. His perspective is certainly pagan, and yet he touches on the truth. What is it about this planet that makes it significant? Why do we think so much about this pale blue dot? King David reflects a similar sentiment in Psalm 8. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? or the Son of Man that you visit him? What are we in comparison to the glories of the cosmos? Why should we think the Creator should be so concerned about us? Yet the psalmist continues, For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Why do those of us who scurry about on this speck of dust have any significance? because God created us as the crown of his creation. He endowed us with value, with dignity, with his image, and placed us in dominion over it all. 
Our dignity is derived. It is divinely bestowed. We may look at that pale blue dot and think, as Carl Sagan did, that there's nothing significant about it or about the people on it. But we do have dignity, and we do because God created us that way. We have significance because God has concerned himself with us. Now, are we great independent of his blessing? Certainly not. We are significant only as we are known by our creator. We are nothing apart from him. Understanding this is crucial to appreciating the incarnation of Christ. What is there about us that compels Christ to become one of us? Is it our skills? Our goodness? Something about us that attracts him to us? Or perhaps it's not that we draw him, but it's his own nature that compels him to condescend to us, to join us in our frailty and to redeem us from sin. As humans, we are significant among the creatures because God has appointed us to that position. And those who are redeemed through Christ are significant because God has chosen to redeem them. As the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, He saved us because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses. The gospel serves not to elevate us, but to elevate God. It is his mercy that was displayed when he became one of us and died for us. What is it about us that sets us apart from the rest of creation? It is God's divine decree by which he created us made us in his image, breathed into us the breath of life, and placed us at the apex of his creation. This truth is before us in our next passage from Hebrews. We'll be looking at Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 through 9. For he has not put the world to come, of which we speak, in subjection to angels, but one testified in a certain place, saying, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you take care of him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him, he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not see all things put under him, but we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. In these verses, the author of Hebrews quotes from Psalm 8, which we have already referenced. We have seen from this that our significance in this world is derived. We are unique among creation because God made us unique and appointed us as the head of creation. Beyond that, we are unique among creation because we are the only creatures whom God has become one of. Jesus came in the flesh, became one of us, and dwelt among us. We were made a little lower than the angels. That is certainly not a demotion. Rather, what is being said by that is that we are surpassed in glory only by the angels among the created things. We were made a little lower than the angels. As we see in verse 9, Jesus too took on a human body, becoming, like us, a little lower than the angels. The first thing to note from verse 9 is that Christ condescended to us. He, though God, did not keep himself from us. He came as a man, joining us both in our glories and in our sufferings. But why? What was his purpose in coming? 
Primarily, it was to redeem us, to save us from sin. Verse 9 moves straight from Jesus' incarnation to his substitutionary death. In this, he died our death. He tasted death for everyone. Now, we must note that this phrase, tasted death for everyone, certainly does not mean that every single human will be saved. Rather, consistent with New Testament teaching, salvation is available to all who believe. Adam, in his failure, brought death to all. Christ, through his obedience and his death, brings the opportunity of salvation to all. But it is only those who call on the name of the Lord who are saved. But more central to this text and more important for our consideration is that this death was purposeful and effective. Jesus came to die. His death wasn't unintentional or a result of running contrary to the Jewish leaders, as some of our liberals would have us believe. Jesus came to die. He came to die for us, and he gave his life willingly. Through his death, we are saved from death. Christ was made like us, he condescended to us, he took on our nature, our flesh, and his purpose in coming was to die for us, to redeem us from sin. Notice two more things from these verses. First, notice that God was pleased at his son's obedience. Because Jesus died, he was crowned with glory and honor. It says in verse 9, For the suffering of death, he was crowned with glory and honor. Hebrews 1 verse 3 speaks of Christ sitting down at the right hand of God after purging our sins. He accomplished what he was sent to do. He was found in appearance as a man, and when he was, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. This is the glory bestowed on the Son by the Father for his willing obedience, obedience even to death. The Son was welcomed back into fellowship with the Father and exalted for his obedience. His death purchased our redemption, and through his death we are saved. Second, notice that his death happened by the grace of God. That is, it was a part of God's plan, a part of his redemptive purposes known from before the foundations of the world. In this, we see the cooperation of the Godhead. God planned redemption, and Christ accomplished it. God desired to show his mercy to wretched sinners. Jesus gave his life to make mercy a reality. God, in his grace toward us, sent his Son to die in our place. Through him, we are redeemed. So we return to Carl Sagan. He said, Our planet is a lonely speck in this great enveloping cosmic dark. In our obscurity, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. He spoke as a skeptic, knowing the magnitude of the universe, but unwilling to believe in the Creator. Though he may be right that science gives no reason to believe redemption will come, God says otherwise. God came to us. Jesus was made lower than the angels. He became like us, one of us, and he died for us to save us from ourselves. Our pale blue dot was visited by the creator of the dot and of every living thing on it. Christ became human. The divine was despised that we could be saved. By his stripes, we are healed. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Touchpoints podcast. 
This podcast is a production of Sword and Trumpet Ministries. For more information, visit swordandtrumpet.org slash podcast or theologicaltouchpoints.com slash podcast. If you have thoughts or questions, you can contact us at podcast at theologicaltouchpoints.com. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who also will do it.